Nickish Podcast, Episode 8. Rest in peace. Ron, Don, Julio, Theodore, Baker, the third. We're just kidding, man. We love you, Ron. Right at the body of Anderson Berenzel. Welcome to your Kodak moment, Anderson Berenzel. Game touches, puts up the three. One go. Rebound back. Back out to Allen. History player. Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Nick-ish podcast, where we talk all about the New York Knicks and everything that's going on in the NBA. My name is Mo, and I'm here with my co-host, Nafi. What's going on, man? Not much, man. To be honest with you, it's a, it's a somber day here in Nafi household, if you know what I mean. Do yeah. you want to know why it's somber, why it's sad? I, I think I'm very, we're, very we're well morning. aware. We're mourning today. As as you are we, as are we in, in this household. Sad mm. day. As a collective, as a, as a Knicks fan collective, all of us out there in this community, we're all just holding hands right now, just he- heads bowed, you know what I mean, praying to whatever God we worship. Just it's a tough loss today, tough loss for the for the fans. You want to let, let the listeners know what happened, or should I break the bad news? Uh, I don't know if I can even handle it. You, you, yo, you got it. You got it. I can't do this. Yeah, I mean, shit, man. If, if I can muster the words. <sighs> Peace be upon us. Let's, let's, let's say his name with grace. That's what he would want. But, um, yeah, so the Knicks let go of Ron Baker today. You know, we signed Alonzo Trier, the undrafted rookie, to a office two-way contract. Which is basically to our listeners that don't know, it's a, it's like a G League contract. So the G League is NBA, like minor league, basically. So like a two way contract allows for that G League player to be on the NBA roster at the same time. So Alonzo Trier, the the standout undrafted rookie that's been killing it basically since um since the start of the season, basically he's been on our G League contract, and it was like it, it was the deadline came up where either we let him go through the G League or brought him to the main roster. So we obviously brought him to the main roster because he's been playing really well. And we had to cut somebody off the main roster to make room for him. And sadly, as I'm very heartbroken to say, we let go of Ron Baker, the God. The Ron fucking Baker. Ron goddamn Baker. All these nicknames. Very accurate, very valid. So do you have any words to say? A eulogy of sorts, he, my brother? Uh, he really truly represented what New York is about. You know, he had the grit, the grind, the hustle, and all two minutes that he played every game or every other game, he uh, he went in and he probably got hurt. But you know what? He he did what he could for the fans and for for the Knicks and for the team. So, Ron Baker, thank you so much for for the the, the amount of time that you spent for the team and all your all your hard work for us. Beautiful words, beautiful words for a beautiful man, Ron Baker. Good luck in, in all your future endeavors, and just uh, try to avoid New Orleans. And I know, like, that man probably has PTSD and shit from what AD did to him last year. <laughs> uh, oh, let's not hold it together. 
you know, it's just like there's probably soldiers in that just came home from Iraq that don't have the kind of like Yo, nightmares that Ron oh, Baker oh has or AD did to him. But uh, <laughs> it's tough. It's been a tough yeah. 12 months for him. I feel for him. I feel bad for him. But you know, it was dope to have him on team, like on some real shit. You know, I mean, he wasn't completely beloved by all the fans. You know, like which obviously is all just fucking joke. Like he's having fun with it, but like. You know, I, I fuck with him. Like, he couldn't shoot, and he could barely dribble the ball, but he played his ass off. He hustled. He's a good perimeter defender. And and I guess his biggest thing is, like, why he got cut is just, like, we, we have a lot of guards on the team. You know what I mean? And, like, I'll, like Trier just outplayed him, like, by far. You know what I mean? Like, he's shown more skill on the offensive end than Baker ever has in his life or NBA life. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Baker is, like, this might be it for his NBA career. I don't really see an NBA team picking him up out there, but – Shit, man, I, I wish him the best, and hopefully he has a Hall of Fame career in China with Stephon Marbury. That'd be kind of lit, you know? Yeah, we might have a statue of Ron Baker. They might, you know, have the hair and all. Uh, but, yeah, Ron, you won't be forgotten. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, um, the Knicks are 8-21 and 21 right now, and they have lost five in a row. And right now they're probably the fifth worst. They have the fifth worst record in the NBA. So the tank game is still on. Um, and with five losses in a row, you already know. Like they're probably thinking about it. There are games when the bench is playing more than the starters. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, last episode we kind of talked a lot about Frank Nilakina and and his and mm-hmm. his DMPs, and we talked to all the the dumb dumb McDumbasses that were saying that Frank needed to be traded. So. Look what happened. He played the last three games, and against the Hornets, he scored 18 points in 20 minutes. He was 7 for 11, 4 for 4, so that inefficiency isn't really a factor right now. You know, And yesterday, last night's game, against the Cavaliers, Frank scored 16 points, 6 for 13 in 24 minutes. But he is shooting with confidence. He's you know, not passing up the ball. He is still playing his hard-nosed defense, but this is Frank Nilakina's potential. And right now, it looks like the DMPs were uh, a great move for him and for Fisdale. So it's worked for Damian Dotson. It's worked for Trey Burke. It's worked for Alonzo Trier. And this is proof that's worked for Frank Nilakina. Or and worked for Moody, you know? Yeah. He, he started out the season playing like trash, got benched for a minute, came back, played better than he has in his whole career, so... But before we dig into our big boy Frank, the, like it brings a tear to my eye how fucking proud I am of this kid, yeah. But um, yeah, five game losing streak. Like let's let's just say we won more loss away from like Nick's president of a basketball operation, Steve Mills, from sending a thirsty text to Zion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like this motherfucker just like texting him out the blue, just like I need you. Period. It's like an unknown number two. Zion just gonna end up blocking it. So like when we win the lottery next year, motherfucker. We try to put call Zion. It's gonna get like go straight to voicemail. Make some. <laughs> it will make for some great TV shit. But uh, yeah, nah. But like, I feel you on like on Frank. It's 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 literally just what we talked about. You know what I mean? Like this is this is all a strategy with Fizdale. He benches these young kids because yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's a players' league, right? The NBA. So like, you gotta adjust coaching. Like the best coaches adjust to the players they have on the roster. So with a young roster, that's like learning the fundamentals of the NBA game and, like, uh, just, like, just getting the hang of, like, being in this atmosphere. Shit, like, just outright benching them for, like, not playing as well as the other young kids. 
that's motivation. But like with a veteran team, that'll piss off a veteran. I mean, if you just bench them out the blue for like a like a slump, you know what I mean? But like with these young kids, like you just said, like Dotson, Moody, Burke, Trier, you know what I mean? Like they got benched, they came back strong, and they came back better. And we just seen that with Frank. Like I swear to God, I've never seen him so aggressive when he came in, like in the, into the Nets game, and he's just like. Like, I, like the thing with inefficiency, I could live with inefficiency if it's if it's like coming on the back of like aggression. You know what I mean? If you're like aggressive, but like you end up playing inefficient, that's like that's good. Like you know, like the old saying, process over results. Like trust the process. Yeah. If you like keep going at it aggressively, like pretty soon you're gonna like tighten up them skills. You know what I mean? Those skills just get better as a shooter, get better as a finisher. So like if you keep that aggressive mindset, you're gonna be end up being in hitting pay dirt, being playing like a great player, you know what I mean? So if Frank just keeps up that aggressive attitude and he pairs it with like that aggressive defense he plays, like I guess the biggest cliche with him is like if we could adopt his like aggressive mindset on defense to offense, you know what I mean? Like I hear that a lot from Knicks fans, Knicks commentators, Knicks reporters. Like he would be like an incredible player. Like not an incredible player, but like an incredible prospect. Like not so like divisive, but we already know it's a lot of dumb fans out there that just can't see beyond a stat sheet or just buckets, you know, like these are the same fans that probably gassed up Jamal Crawford as some kind of like all-star level player when he was playing for the Knicks, even though like he was just like a glorified six man. You know what I mean? But that's neither here nor there. Like we don't need to go off on a whole tangent about how dumb our fellow Knicks fans are. But yeah, I mean, just going back to Frank, like, yeah, this kid is, let's see if he keeps it up. But like, it's, it's good signs. You know what I mean? Like it's, we got to keep shit in perspective too. It's only December, you know, it's a long season ahead. So he just got benched. He comes up, comes back aggressive and if this is like him turning the page and like maintaining that for a minute yo like Fizdale is a genius and like you don't need to get me started on like like the Fizdale like like just giving him praise that he's due because I, I won't stop you know what I mean like I, I definitely feel like he's one of the best coaches we've had in a minute and just what he's doing with Frank is like a testament to that you know yeah yo Fizdale definitely has been amazing for the Knicks uh, I I picked up on this last week but he's doing something that the Knicks haven't had something that was good for and that's culture and right now we're seeing the the coach the organization and the players all you know in one unison form of culture that you know the words isn't making sense right now but basically everyone's on the same page you know what I mean so um it's all about development and when you notice these young Knicks players making big plays you ever notice who the camera goes to it goes straight Big to Fizz, boy. it goes to straight Big it goes straight Daddy to Fizz. Fizz. Yeah, he's jumping, he's smiling, he's like giving high fives. He's excited when his boys, you know, are making the plays that he's been coaching for them to do. So you, you compare it to previous coaches like Hornchek and uh, Fisher, and they've been always so stoic uh, with their players. So they'll make good plays, and you know they'll crack a smile or two. But Fizdale is truly a player's coach, and he is. Uh, I'm, you know, I think we're really lucky to have him as, as as our player. We definitely both have huge crushes on this guy right now. Uh, but no doubt, and it's like not to get too like, you know, I feel like, like a lot of people that even listen to us will probably see us as like cheerleaders for him. But it's also like, like we're too, I, like frankly, we're too direct and just blunt Knicks fans. I mean, we were we're jaded to the point where like we we got to be realistic. So like. Like it's it's fair to say like Fizdale hasn't shown himself to be like a great in-game tactician, you know what I mean, or like rotations and like out of bounds plays, but like he answers for that. Like to be fair, he always like steps up to the plate. Like when the media questions about his rotations, his like his plays, his 
like the system he's running, he'll say like it's like first and foremost is development. You know what I mean? Like you can't be running intricate plays and shit. Like I feel like we touched on this in a podcast before, but like you can't run intricate plays if your whole team is just like young as shit. You know what I mean? Like you got to teach them the basics. You got to coach these kids up. Like right now they're going through like the Fisdale finishing school. You know what I mean? Like they're getting, he's putting the polish on these young kids so they can turn into like viable NBA, like role players or starters or what have you. You know what I mean? So good habits got good habits come from good culture and good culture comes from like the, the man in charge. And that's Fisdale, you know? And, I got to give props to Perry and Mills. Like, they're, they've empowered Fizz. Like, he said from the beginning since he got hired, like, he's in charge of who plays. He's in charge of, like, all of that, you know? Like, and you hear, like, just around league-wide how, like, let's go to, an, like, a, another dysfunctional franchise, like the Kings. There's, like, rumors and just, like, gossip about how, like, it, you know, in this ESPN reports and whatnot about how, like, the Kings front office is, like, kind of souring on their coach because he's not playing the young players that the front office wants to play. And thankfully, we haven't had to deal with that since Fizz got here, you know? Like, he's got the total trust of the front office, and with a young roster like this, he's handling it his way. Like, he's leaving his imprint on the team. And, like, when we actually, like, move past this rebuilding stage, like, even as soon as the summer and we get, like, some significant players in, then I feel like that's when you can kind of, like, stop stop grading Fizz still on the curve and just, like, focus on, like, the nitty-gritty details of, like, NBA coaching. But for now, like, I don't see, I don't find much like wrong with what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's handling himself well. It's a rebuilding franchise. And like, to be truth be told, like maybe 90% of the game so far this season, we've been in it scrappy, fine until the end. Even if it's like a, like looking like a blowout, they still like trying to make that fake comeback. You know what I mean? To like bring it down closer. So, and that all comes from Fizz, like that relentless effort, that like not giving up, playing for each other, just playing hard. Like that comes for the coaching. And yeah. Like this time to put time to put the pom poms away, but like yeah, that's that's the physical segment. No, I don't think I don't think it's time to put the pom poms away. Are you kidding me? We've been all these years. We've been dealing with Phil Jackson and all of his, uh, you know, cryptic messages, and he there's no there's never any clarity to what the management and a coaching staff wanted, and we've been dealing with that for years. We had to deal with uh Mike D'Antoni and his problems, and then Mike Woodson and his problems, and then Hornacek and Fisher and fucking Kurt Rambis. I hate that guy. And we had to deal with yeah. all that shit. So we finally, you know, we, I think we get, we, we get this chance to be happy with our coach and organization for once. Cause we've never had this chance before. So yeah. I'm riding it. I'm Just, riding it all the way. Uh, but yeah. no, once we get that, once watch, we get, right? yeah. yeah, once we get that, you know, superstar player and we're, we're expected to rack up the wins, then yeah, he'll, there's gonna be a lot more, you know, he'll be much more in the limelight and there's gonna be a lot more, attention being paid to how he's truly doing in-game but you know you said that he's not doing so well out of bounds play he's not doing such well out of bounds plays but that's actually something he's been doing pretty well at minus last night's game which i don't really think was his fault off the timeout um moody kind of it wasn't even moody's fault it was kind of all the players faults and they weren't able to get the ball in because of that they turned the ball over and they lost the game as a result because they couldn't get the chance mm-hmm. to put the three up um, but overall, like out of out of bounds or out of you know out of timeout plays, he's actually been doing pretty well. Um, efficiently, the Knicks have been scoring out of timeout plays. But you know, I touched on this a few a few episodes ago. I, that was something that was kind of a red flag for me. But I think overall, he's been for those plays at least he's been doing he's been doing fairly well as well as you can for a team that's the second youngest team in the NBA right now. So uh, you know, he deserves this curve up until. 
the time mm-hmm. KP comes back, whether that's next month or next season, we'll see. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's been killing it. So another player besides Frank that that really stepped up these last two three games is our baby boy Kevin Knox, our youngest player in the NBA right now. Um, <laughs> so you know, two games ago against the Hornets, this guy scored twenty six points and fifteen rebounds and. There's only been two players in history that scored that many points and get that many rebounds before their 20th birthdays. Do you know who the other guy is? Uh, Shaq? No. That seems like a Shaq stat. LeBron? LeBron. LeBron James. The only uh, other guy to have scored course. 25 points and 15 rebounds before he turned 20. And I, and the other guy is our own mm-hmm. rookie, Kevin Knox. So that's Whatever awesome. happened to that guy anyway? Whatever happened to that guy, LeBron? Anyway, uh, he just he, you know, he just became a top right? two player of all time, I think, something like that. Yeah, he's doing well for himself. Yeah, right? yeah. Good to see, good to see the scrappy unknown guy make make it big. Let's let's hope Knox, you know, kind of follows follows example. Yeah, uh, but he's been Knox <laughs> has been much more confident. So, but you know, back to last night's game. Uh, in the final minute, he scored a three. You know, right in the guys, right in the defender's face, and then he scored a go-ahead basket, which was a huge dunk, uh, with 30 seconds left to go, with act- bringing the Knicks up by by a point after, and that was their first lead after the first quarter. So, the, the Knicks ultimately lost the game. They had a bit of a meltdown, but he got them the lead with 30 seconds left to go. So, and that was after scoring 19 points, and he had a big defensive play. He swatted off the backboard. I don't know if you caught that, but defensively offensively confidence everything is going up right now so you know we're not saying that's gonna it's gonna be it's sustainable right now he's only 19 years old it's it's due for a drop again and then back up again that's just the way things go but right yeah, now i mean right he, now he's on he's the up rookie, and up you know? yeah right now he's on the up and up if he can sustain it then you know he'll be he'll be up to par with some of the other rookies in his class right now like Doncic and uh Aiton and all yeah, like it just goes back to our. Well, first of all, when I say like put the pom poms away, I just meant for like this segment. You know, like them them pom pom is always gonna be right. I'm wearing my cheerleading outfit every day, son. I'm riding for fizz. Let's keep that real. But, but um, <laughs> but no, nah, yeah. With with Knox, I think the the biggest thing is he's with a coach that empowers him. You know what I mean? So like, uh, let's just be to be fair, he missed like early on in the season with that ankle injury, right? So like, I, I definitely feel like it's still early on where he could he could get back in that rookie of the year conversation. And I know we both had those kind of those kind of projections and hopes for him. But um, the biggest thing with him is just like as a rookie, like a lot of people just like I see this goes back to what we said about Frank in the last episode. A lot of like regular casual observers of this game we call basketball. They have like a kind of a let's just say let's just just put it straight out there like they got a wrong view of young players like if you look at the statistics you look at like just long term since the NBA started it takes at least three years to judge the kind of player that a player is like a young player like a rookie you know what I mean like people want to write off young players just like after a year or two not even a year maybe halfway through their first season you know what I mean like. I think with Knox is, as a rookie, the thing you're looking for as a 19-year-old is just, like, the, those flashes of good play. Like, and, and if he's just absorbing the coaching. And you see that. You know what I mean? Like, I hear, I read all the time about how, like, Knox, his biggest critics are his own parents. And they tell him exactly what he needs to do. Like, yo, stop settling for so many threes. Drive. Hustle. You know what I mean? Play defense. Do the little things that, like, the team needs 
instead of like focusing on yourself and like he's he's taking it all in like I think John Calipari said on like a recent interview I don't know if it was ESPN radio or whatever but he was saying how like he kept repeating over and over like Knox is only 19 you know in response to the criticism that like that's coming on him lately he's only 19 you know what I mean like it's it comes with the territory like it's gonna be ups and downs but like his ups so far have been fucking tantalizing you know what I mean like He's exactly what we what we were gushing about when we drafted him. Like when I told you when we first drafted him that like I was more high on him than I was Frank. That was no knock on Frank. Like I'm just feel like Knox's potential is through the roof. Like maybe not KD status, but like the kind of hopes that people have for Jason Tatum. Like I feel like Knox is just uh, like a bigger version of that. Like body wise, you know what I mean? Like maybe he won't be as he's not obviously right now. He's not as polished as like Tatum was as a rookie. But like you see flashes of those those same similar kind of players. You know what I mean? Like those big wings that can play the small forward, power forward, and just shoot threes, handle the ball, rebound the shit out of the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just be, like, that integral piece. And I'm excited for his future and just, like, the way he's been playing. Like, you know, it's, it's not a lot to complain about. Like, I feel like most people would be, like, expecting us to be, like, down in the dumps because we lost five in a row. But, yo, shit, man, we popping bottles. Like, <laughs> lose five in a row, lose 15, son. Shit. Just keep playing hard. Zion. Uh, but yeah, to, to keep add on, playing hard to get them else. <laughs> yeah, and to add on to you know what you should really look for for a young guy, uh, he's 19 years old, but he he has he basically has a body of a prototypical NBA star for the future of the NBA. At least in the direction that the NBA is going, you want a mm. you know a two way kind of potential player. And right now he's six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan, and he can shoot and he can score and he has a body to be able to be a you know, a great defender. So Yeah, and like just like Yeah, we got the dream we got the too... dream kind of body right now for for yeah, you know, our rookie. Not not to get a little too uh a little, a little bit too playgirls playgirl edition or number one on, on our listeners right now. Going into details about his body. <laughs> okay. We'll hey, yo, hey yo. Hey <laughs> yo. But uh nah he he built like you can tell he's built pretty pretty sturdy for like a nineteen year old rookie. I mean the thing is he still gets pushed around on the court. So what that tells me is like he'll fill out more. He got the frame to put on like fifteen, twenty more pounds of muscle within the next two, three years. You know what I mean? That's just natural. Cause like like even for regular people, like nineteen years old, your body's still growing, it's still growing into itself. You know what I mean? So like as an elite athlete with access to like NBA level strength and conditioning, nutrition, all that jet, all that bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I have no doubt Knox is gonna fill out like physically, but in terms of this game, you know, like you, yo, know, that shot is so buttery smooth, son. Yeah, he can still grow. Form, shit, shit, I grew, release. I grew an inch. I don't know about you. You're on the older side. I don't think you're gonna grow anymore. But I grew an inch, half inch this year. So, you know, he'll probably grow a couple inches. Might be a seven footer. Who knows? Oh, yeah, you're like 12, and you still take Flintstones vitamins. Of course you grew. <laughs> like, congrats. I'm clapping for you right now. But, um, asshole. <laughs> Call me old and shit. To our listeners, we're only two years apart from us. Let's, let's keep that in perspective. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, no more need to be said about Knox, man. Like, which he's, yeah. like, right now he's riding the high. But, like, there's obviously going to be lows. And it's just, like, the biggest thing is, like, not to get high on the highs and not to get too low on the low. But we're in New York, you know what I mean? And, like, that New York media, if you get high, they'll be like, all right, yeah, he's a highly, highly picked rookie. He's supposed to be playing as well, right? But when he plays bad, 
for a 19 year old kid, which is supposed to be regular, the microscope is going to be on him. They're like, oh, he's disappointed. Why isn't he living up to the hype? Motherfucker, shut up. Like, that's all I can say to the New York media and all that. Yeah, moral of the story, just keep focusing more on the highs and then don't be surprised by the lows and just expect them and accept them and just be patient, you know? That's what we've been talking about the last few episodes. Um, yeah. Process yeah. over results. Like, never forget that. You know what I mean? Like, and to our listeners that are kind of like, like kind of lost in that phrase, like, if you shoot a three and you miss, that's still a good process. It's a good shot, an open three, you know what I mean? But if you can shoot a contested mid-range jumper with, like, two people in your face and you make it, like, yeah, you got the result, but it's not a good process, you know what I mean? So apply that thinking to just, like, younger rookie players. Like, as long as they're playing the right way, they're making the kind of, like, like, they're taking the kind of shots that are considered good, they're making the right plays, they're, like, in the right position, and they're just, like, do what needs to be done, the rest will, like, will take care of itself, you know what I mean? Like, those good habits are supposed to be developed right now, and, you know, yeah. that's just that's just my biggest thing. And just take, like, a lot of people are just too hard on young players. Just take Frank for example. Knox. Yeah, just take Frank for example. Look, if you you really got to pay attention to the kind of shots that he's been taking the last two games, they're either they're wide open threes or he'll take a few dribbles in and he'll pull up. And even if it doesn't go in, they're all they all get rimmed out. So they're not bad shots. He's not being contested. He's taking smart shots. So if you're taking a yeah. smart shot and they're not going in, that's completely fine. Uh, so just play, you know, just play smart, which is what these guys have been doing. Um, yeah, and then like just to transfer that thought over to our other large, burly, like lanky young boy, Mitchell Robinson. Like he gets into foul trouble because he's aggressive on defense. That's good. I'd rather have a, a young big man, young athletic big man that gets into foul trouble than one that doesn't ever foul out. You know what I mean? Because it tells me Mitch is being aggressive on defense. You know what I mean? And with time, those fouls are going to trickle down, and he's just going to, like, pick up the nuances and fundamentals of defense better. You know what I mean? He'll understand when to rotate over at the right time, when not to, like, jump at a pump fake. You know what I mean? Or, like, be able to communicate verbally on defense. Like, you, like we all play pickup. You know what I mean? You and I, we play pickup ball pretty much our entire childhood and, like, preteen age, right? Biggest advantage you could ever have playing pickup is just being able to, like, yell out, like, and communicate with your teammates, you know what I mean? Even dudes that you just met at the park. So that's part, that goes into being a rookie and being a young player in the NBA, like, communication, like, especially for a big man like like Mitchell Robinson, who's supposed to be, like, the anchor of the defense. Communication is key, and that's all going to come with time. And then that just goes to, the, like, what you were saying, like, process over results. That mantra has just got to be, got to keep that in mind when you have a young team that's rebuilding, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um so you know moving forward we got uh we're gonna move forward to the nba right now uh as far as the knicks goes their next game is tomorrow against the hornets again so uh they're playing charlotte this time kemba's been killing it but as far as the nba goes uh there was one trade that happened last week um there's a three-way trade but as far as what i have it's what the Cavs and the bucks get which is the you know the the more the higher end of the side of the trade, if that makes sense. But the Cavs got Delhi again, who is one of the most overrated players. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a fan's hype, but I don't like that guy. Hey, 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 Delhi. hey, you bite your tongue. Don't, don't, don't be slandering Matthew, Michael Jordan, Deladova, Deladova, you gotta whatever get that. the fuck his name is, Delhi. <laughs> Delhi the God. Del- 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 just leave it at that. The short mamba. Um, John Del- Henson. the goat. <laughs> Uh, John Henson, who's actually a pretty good pickup for the Cavs, 
But that's not. I, I think those two players are irrelevant. What they got that's truly valuable. They got a future first rounder from the Bucks mm-hmm. in 2021. First rounder and a future second pick, which is also from 2021. So, Cavs are being smart now. They realize that they have no potential. They're not going to make the finals like they did last season without LeBron James on the team and with Kevin Love hurt. Not even close. Uh, they're closer to the G League finals than the regular finals. They're going from first to last now. So, um,. <laughs> Uh, so they're 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 playing it smart. They're racking up the draft picks and they're trying to trade away their their older players to get young guys. Um, and the Bucks in return they got George Hill and I believe they got Sam Decker. Um, and George Hill is a is a crafty veteran player who's going from the bottom team to the top team right now in the East. So I think he'll be a valuable piece to to the Bucks and what they're doing over there. Mm-hmm. And Sam Decker is a young forward. Uh, who's on his third or fourth team now, which is kind of surprising. He's, you know, he was a lottery pick, a former lottery pick. Um, played with the Rockets before, uh, and he's dealt with some injuries. So maybe with the Bucks, he'll get a better chance to play with the second unit and really build himself back up. My brother, you are. Uh, I think the I think the correct term is that you're providing fake news to our listeners. Am Sam I? Decker is actually headed to the Wizards. My brother. I must have been looking at the wrong article then, because from what I see, he is going to the Bucks. Uh, let me double check. You are yeah. you are your local Virginia Virginian. Are you guys Virginian? What do you guys call yourselves? Yeah, Virginian, bro. Yeah, Virginian. <laughs> All, right. All right, you're a local Virginian. You might find out if your DC team got anybody. Let me double check that. Uh, we are Virginians, and uh, I believe you're a virgin. Yes. No. That. That. Yeah. You said. You set that up for me pretty easy. Uh, yeah, this is a family show. Let's not. Um... You're right. Uh, I would want to mislead. I don't want to mislead the readers or the listeners. But uh, congrats on the sex. Yeah, let's move on now. Anyway, uh, hopefully my. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's. Uh, you know, I, man, I got like family and cousins and shit. All right, whatever. Um... <laughs> Fucking guy. Uh, yeah, no, he's with the Wizards. <laughs> Sam Decker is yeah. with the Wizards, so moving forward on that, he is with the Wizards. You are right. And George Hill's with the Bucks. So what did the Wizards lose then? They lost Jason Smith. Remember oh, him? Yeah. Former yeah. Nick. Former Nick, seven footer yeah. who could shoot the occasional shot. And he was on the worst team the Knicks have ever had. He was part of that that team from 2014 to 15. He was Personally responsible for us getting Kristaps Porzingis, so I, I I wish Jason Smith well and I prosper, prosper. You know what I mean? Just he did us a solid. You know what I mean? He was trash. He'll probably continue to be trash, but um, on some real shit though, I think it was a good trade for Milwaukee. I mean, George Hill, he's I think he's shooting like forty six percent from three, but he's been injured for like half the season, and like that's the that's the story on George Hill. He's pre injury prone. Like honestly speaking, but um, as far as as like a backup one car, like if they were getting nothing from Deladova, Deladova, whatever the fuck his name is, they were just getting none from Delhi in Milwaukee. I don't even think he was in their rotation when they traded him, right? So now they got like a backup point guard, and um, he honestly is kind of similar to uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Like he's like older, like a small, an older, smaller version of Brogdon. It's like a three and D point guard that could play point guard and shooting guard a little bit, and uh, Jason Smith, like if anything, he's a big white guy that can shoot, and like if you can, if you're a big man that can shoot, that just opens up like 
space for uh, Giannis when he's driving. And I think Giannis is like the leader in points in the paint and like field goal percentage at the rim. So, and that's only, that's literally like, obviously he's a freak of nature, but it also just helps that like he's surrounded by shooters now. Anytime like Giannis steps on the court, he has four shooters around him. And this trade adds two more to that. So it was a pretty solid trade for the Bucks. Um, it is kind of risky to trade a first-round pick, but I think the biggest thing for them is I was just reading up on it. It's like like George Hill, like his he's an expiring contract. Like he only has he could get waived next like this summer. You know what I mean? This coming summer, summer 2019, and he'll only count as like one million against the uh, the Bucks uh, cap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So and I know like Middleton is a free agent this summer. Uh, uh, Bledsoe is a free agent. And so is Brogdon. So this actually helps them in terms of cap space this summer. It, like, gives them a little more, like, room to, like, keep all those guys or just, like, one or two of those guys and maybe go after a free agent if they, like, kind of make some more moves to get flexibility. But it's 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 interesting in terms of that. But in the short term, like, yeah, they got better. And um, for the Cavs, I, I like to trade a lot just because, like, if you're a shitty team, a.k.a. like the Knicks and Cavs and multiple other teams, like, there's no reason that you shouldn't be trading your vets for, like, assets, you know what I mean? And assets, I mean, like, draft picks, you know what I mean? Or, like, like young players or just, like, players that, like, the other team doesn't want. Like, just get a pick. If you can get a pick for just taking on, like, a big salary for a mediocre player, like, fucking do it. Like, because we're not, like, Cavs aren't going anywhere, like, anyway, you know what I mean? Like, they're not doing shit this year. Kevin Love is out for, like, the next two months or some shit like that. Um... They're basically tanking, so just load up on those big contracts, get those picks, and do whatever it takes. And the Wizards, I mean, God bless them. Let's just leave it at that. Like, good luck to them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Sam Decker is just going to cure everything. You know what I mean? Poor guy. <laughs> um, but no, I think George <laughs> Hill could, uh, could, you know, be really useful come the playoffs just because he has experience. He played for the – he was part of that Pacers team that would go toe-to-toe with the Heat. I believe he was part of that Pacers team, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was starting point guard with with PG and Roy Hibbert. Whatever happened to Roy? And Hibbert? I, th- I think he's working at a Quiznos in Idaho or some <laughs> shit. But um, <laughs> George Hill, he actually uh, um, played under Coach Bud in a San Antonio. Remember, he started his career in San Antonio, yeah. like two three years in San Antonio. Coach yeah. Bud was an assistant under Pop, so. I think Bud came out and said, like, he has experience with Hill. He knows how to coach him, so that's pretty good. Like, that familiarity always helps. Absolutely. And, like, the NBA world, like, a lot of people, regular people don't want to say, but it's just, like, the real world. Like, networking helps. You know what I mean? That's how a lot of assistant coaches and players end up in the spots they do just because they know somebody that's already in an organization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like how a regular person would go to another job just because they know somebody there or, like, they got a referral or some shit. Like, so, like, George Hill, he has a familiarity with Bud. He knows the system. And I think, like, like you said, it's a good fit. Like, he's a boring player. Like, he's not going to jump out to, like, a regular casual watcher. But the shit he does, he makes smart passes. He spots up for three, plays hard defense, and he's a smart player. Like, he doesn't make dumb plays. And that's that can't be underestimated, when, especially when you're, like, a great team going to the playoffs. Yeah. I, yeah, I think he'll definitely be useful, especially in, you know, Eastern Conference Finals or semifinals. But another team that will probably make – you know which who the Bucks will probably face off in the Eastern Conference Finals is the Raptors, who last night beat the Warriors. Not just beat them, mm. they killed them by twenty points. 
without their star mm. player Kawhi Leonard. So the Raptors, right? They. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to probably go back and listen to our own episodes. But were were you not on the Raptors to the finals bandwagon or? No, I was. Well, was you was? All I'm right. Pretty sure I was. I feel like. Last the the episode from two episodes ago, right? When we were giving our seeds, we were you talking about before that. Man, I wasn't giving no seeds to nobody. I don't know what kind of slander you spreading right now. Come on now. We're still recording a family show here. Uh... <laughs> I will, wherever I plant my seed is not your business or the listeners. Let's, let's keep that keep that between me and myself. But um, you, you no, I don't think to. you were. Were you feeling? Yeah, I was. No, I, I've always, I've always said the moment that Kawhi Leonard trade happened, and people were saying, "Why would you do it for a season?" I thought I kept saying that this is the best team that Toronto will ever have, and this is their best shot at getting, a, mm-hmm. uh, getting, mm-hmm. you know, the final, getting to the finals and winning the finals. So, them making it to the finals, I, you know, I don't want to say they're shoe in to make it there because the Bucks have a very good team, and you can't sleep on the Celtics either and Philly. Um, but mm-hmm. the Raptors. Beating the Warriors without Kawhi, they made a statement last night by doing that. You're right, but we also got to remember that, like the Raptors, they they beat the the last time they played the Warriors, they only beat them by like a couple points, and like KD at 51 and Draymond and Steph didn't play. So like, I think that brings up a question: like, how much can you really read into like the regular season matchups? But like, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I definitely feel like the Raptors are. Like the odds-on favorite in the East to make it to the finals, but I don't think I, I. I don't know. Like I feel like I don't want to get caught up in like the, just like the general public, like the anti-Warriors, like kind of like feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't no. Don't get me wrong. I I think against the Warriors, they're definitely gonna lose. They might win like two games if they do make it to the finals. You know, max two games, but Warriors in five. Yeah. Warriors in five. Against just any team. Like, I mean, depends what team you're talking about. I mean, if we're talking about the Raptors, who we believe is a shoe, who you're seeing might be a shoe in for the finals, you're saying Warriors at five with Kawhi on the team. Warriors at five, and I would go Warriors at six if like fucking KD and Steph don't have their afternoon nap or some shit for a game. Like, but if that's my way of saying that's Warriors at five, easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can't fully disagree with that. Um. But then again, like Kawhi, if Kawhi is in like full on Kawhi mode and even better than he was two seasons ago, you know maybe maybe in six. I could see that just because like Kawhi, like you look at his numbers, like they're maybe slightly like maybe one to two percent worse than two years ago when he was an MVP candidate. But like it's clear like he's still he's still physically trying to get back to his old self. You know what I mean? So like the best is yet to come. It's only December. You know what I mean? Like. They've been resting him here and there. I think he has a hip injury now that he's out with. But I think, like, he went eight games in a row without, like, a rest game. And his numbers is fucking crazy, dog. Yeah. Like, MVP shit. Like, that's – I said it in the last pod, and I'll probably keep saying it in every pod. But my MVP is up in Toronto right now. And that's – that's the one that looked like Pusha T. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Yeah. And they're eleven and three on the road too. That's an NBA best right now. So they're a very good ro- uh, road team and obviously a very good home team because Toronto fan base is crazy. Uh, so I'm excited for the Raptors team. Um, I'm 
mad excited for the for the playoffs for the East. Uh, it's gonna be uh-huh. super exciting, especially compared to previous seasons. It's kind of it's pretty unpredictable to a point. Uh, just because LeBron's not there anymore, we can't just say LeBron's gonna make the finals. So Celtics, uh, Celtics, Sixers, Raptors, and Bucks. So one of those guys are gonna make it. But you know what team is definitely not gonna make it? The Knicks. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, another team that's <laughs> not gonna make it is uh, are the Bulls. So some shit's going on there. We we touched up on it last episode when they fired their their head coach Fred Hoiberg and they hired a new guy. Um, what what? And today we get news that you know their their star. Their star player, their new franchise player, who they signed last season, who didn't want to play any defense, Jabari Parker, is no longer part of the rotation, and he's probably going to get bought out before the trade deadline. So, yeah, what the hell is going on in Chicago? Wait, hold up. Time out. Did, like, Jabari Parker pay you to call him a franchise player just now? And, like, two, like, why didn't you split that with me? Like, whatever he paid you. Because, like, I would have been down to just, like, gas up Jabari for, for fucking income right now. <laughs> He's the low-key sponsor. He's the hidden sponsor for us. Well, shit, I ain't seen any of that money. But Jabari, what the fuck? You getting paid, like, that much money to not play any defense and just be ass in general? Like, what the fuck? Should throw that money my way. But um, He's paying as much defense as he... Oh, I, I fucked that up. He's paying... Oh, I still fucked it up. All right. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Nah, leave it. <laughs> People need to hear that. That's part He's... of the process. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I was trying to say, though, right? No, I don't. He paid me. He paid me as much defense as he's playing, which is not a. You tried. I tried. That's what matters at the end. All good. <laughs> but no, nah, he's 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 nobody's franchise player. He he might be his own franchise player on two K. You know what I mean? But like otherwise, nah. Uh, again. We said it from over this over the summer. It was just a dumb signing anyway. Like there was literally no point in it. Like he's not a small forward, and he can barely play power forward well. And you know they have Laurie Markin in that power forward, and he just came back from injury, so that makes sense why he's out of their rotation. You know what I mean? Yeah. They got, got Bobby Portis as a power forward too, so he just plays zero defense. He doesn't pass. He can't really shoot. And I don't know. I just feel like. He's just not a good fit there, and I think the biggest reason they signed him is just because he's a hometown kid. You know, he's Chicago born and raised. His opening press conference, he paid paid respects to Derrick Rose, who's like a Chicago legend as well. Like they they ride or die for him right there. You know what I mean? So, Jabari's a home hometown storyline, and I was like, I feel like the biggest reason they signed him just to see if he had anything left. And I think that experiment is done. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he got bought out and maybe he joined a contender. You know, but just like. I don't know. Did you have something to say before, like, we dive into the Bulls, or no? I mean, I was gonna say not. In? Not only it wasn't just any injury. He had back-to-back torn ACLs, so that's you know that's a very bad injury to have twice. Um, when he was with yeah, the Bulls, yeah, especially so yeah, especially if like just coming out of college, he wasn't even like the the, the scouting report on him, and just you watch him play, he wasn't like an athletic kid. You know what I mean? So like, if you're like not an explosive like player, and you have two ACL injuries, like that's a wrap. You know what I mean? Like you. You play with a handicap for the rest of your career then but yeah just to circle back to the bulls like the, so the storyline is basically and i say storyline because like i feel like the nba is a goddamn soap opera and 
I'm glad we get to like actually record our reactions to this bullshit mm-hmm. on a weekly episodic content for loyal oh, yeah. listeners. But um, subscribe to the Nickish podcast on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. By the way, then I throw that in there. But um, yeah. So the Bulls apparently their new coach is a dickhead, like major dickhead. Um, he uh basically. Just, so, like, they were getting blown up by the Celtics in one game, and he pulled all the starters at once, and then, like, just didn't bring them back in. And he played, just played the bench, and they lost by 50. And then he said the next day, like, that they were going to have a hard two-hour practice, and the player was just like, nah, we're not having it. We're not very professionals. We're not in high school, you know what I mean? And they went to the NBA Players Union. They held this, like, a meeting, like a players-only meeting, and then he confronted the coaches saying, like, yeah, we're not going to do this shit. And... So, like, this, this guy's literally only had a job for a week after they fired Fred Hoiberg, and, like, his players apparently have already staged, like, a rebellion, which is fucking crazy. Like, I don't even think the Knicks even in that shit. Like, that's that's a fucking world record, you know what I mean, to the dysfunction. But, um, yeah, apparently, like, this dude's a dumbass, and his biggest claim to fame is that he was on the Spurs coaching staff maybe, like, three years ago, like, a one or two seasons and he apparently just like reaches out to pop like every now like pretty often not even every now and then but like pretty often just to get like advice and he's his biggest fault is like yo, these are professional highly paid players there's a reason coaches are more dispensable than like players you know what i mean like a coach gets paid pennies compared to what the nba players make in general so he came in and he was like yeah we're gonna run like hard practices you guys are gonna do like suicides and push-ups and like that's like textbook grade school shit you know what I mean like you're not gonna have like you're not gonna have like millionaires treating you with respect if you treat them like children you know what I mean like yep. and I'm not I'm not surprised that like they they staged a rebellion because like from everything I've read everything I've seen like how this dude conducts himself he's a fucking he's like a I don't know like a Walmart version of tips you know what I mean so and they got rid of tips three years ago so like and then they end up with like the bargain bin basement version of him like Come on now. Yeah, I mean, that that fifty plus point game, they lost by fifty six points. I don't think I've ever heard that. At least in a lot, like ever since I've been watching basketball, I don't think I've ever heard of a loss differential that big. No fifty six points. I have. Which I game? Knicks almost lost by. Knicks almost lost by fifty to the 08 Celtics, like their first season, their big three. Yeah. Very painful. I don't like to talk about it. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I mean that that about wraps it up for for this week's episode. Not much has been you know really happening in the NBA right now. Um, this is episode number eight, so we've been doing this for two months now. That's pretty that's pretty wild. Our tenth episode is coming up. You know that's gonna be our last episode of the year, and we have a special interview for that actually. So I'm excited to get to that point. Um, We'll have more information in, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, if you don't already, uh, follow us on Instagram. That's Nick underscore ish. Subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify. If you've been, if you've already subscribed, reviewed, or rated, thank you so much. If you haven't already, please do so. It really helps us out and keep this podcast going. Um, otherwise, thank you all for you know tuning in every week and just you know hearing us guys who don't really know that much about basketball we're not we're not professionals we're not experts but we speak our minds on the knicks and the nba mm-hmm. so 
you know, we, we know a thing or two, but uh, thank you all for listening and just, you know, checking us out and supporting this podcast. So until next time. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, tune in for episode number nine. Peace. Yeah. Just, uh, just keep gassing us up too. Our egos ain't big enough yet. Yeah. So peace. <laughs>